When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast, joined by Brad Alice. I'm Mike Luke, Jacob Franklin behind the scenes. All right, Brad, we got a lot to get to to this show. We're going to talk about uh, Paulius Morauskas. Um, there should be good news here in the next, I would say, 24 to 36 hours. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of South Point. We're going to talk about a Caleb Love comparison that I stole from a uh, Michael Defoe as well. Back the A, Derek Pivko, you know how we roll. But Brad... I spent a lot of time looking into it last night. And again, take it for what it's worth. It's my amateur opinion. Talking with some people. I like Morauskas more than I originally thought. I think he's going to be a little, I think he's going to be able to contribute a little bit quicker. Here's my reasoning why, and then tell me why I'm wrong. Um, He played at the highest level right there as an 18 year old. Obviously that's impressive. 6'8", 220. He's on different uh, NBA scouts radars already. Take that for what it's worth. But I also do believe too, that he has the ability to kind of play a little bit inside out. Brad, what say you? I like him. I don't know if I love him yet. And again, I've seen five minutes of YouTube clips. Um, He's not explosive athlete, which may not matter at the college level. Um, He's got a very accurate shot, but it looks like it has a little bit of a low and in front release point. Um, You know, it's it's not that pure Salim shot. Uh, He is a bit of a tweener. Now, that being said, he's a legit 6'8". He has basically both combo forward skills. He he uh, is not real rugged, but doesn't seem to shy away from contact. He's able to put the ball on the floor. Uh, he's really, to me, looks like a combo four. Uh, not combo four, a, a, a stretch four. A guy who's going to step out, likes to shoot the three. Uh, so, I, yeah, I can envision him with the roll, but how long is it going to take him to adjust to the athleticism of the American game? Right. The environment as a whole, um, can he, uh, you know, get that shot off against uh, longer, uh, more athletic uh, defenders? And there's the fact that really most of the European players, with the exception of Lowry and, and, and Zoo, have kind of needed that year of transition. So 
I'm not ready to put him in as the seventh or eighth man, but it's not going to shock me either if he if he fills that role. What we saw last year too is that Arizona needed guys that could that could shoot the ball. And um, you look at this roster now. We'll go we'll go through obviously over it a lot, but he would be a nice little addition there because you just look at last year's roster. Kerr was, I mean, at this stage in the game, we know Kerr's a 35 percent three point shooter. Is what he is. Ramey was kind of in that same boat. Pella is not a bad shooter, but he's kind of a standstill type uh, player. Um, I'm very intrigued by what I've seen, though, as far as this guy's ability to be able to shoot and possibly coming off screens. The one thing that I did notice in his highlights is that he did he does have a propensity to come off screens and get the uh, the quick shot up right there. That's something that Pella's not really able to do because he's got the slow release and from where he uh, shoots it from. There, I think there is a unique unique ability uh, or a unique spot for him. And again, I don't want to make him out like he's uh, that he's going to be Tabellus or something, but I do believe that he can be get in there at that, maybe that 10th or uh, maybe that 10 to 12 to 15 minute roll right there, William. Yeah. And I think when we were doing a little projections, I think we each had him about seven. So uh, the fact that he can steal minutes again, I think he can steal minutes at both positions. Uh, unfortunately him being the tweener that he, he kind of is, is is he athletic enough to play the three and is he rugged enough to play the four again that's less of a concern in the college game when in, in many ways you can kind of try to create your own mismatches with his size with his uh length with being able to throw different defenses out there so i'm not as concerned that would be what my concern is on at the pro level with all these people talking about second round draft pick because at about six eight, he doesn't look like he can play the the four in the modern NBA game. Right, but he doesn't look explosive enough to be a three and D guy. And again, it's hard to tell because I'm watching YouTube clips of him playing club basketball in Europe. I don't know who he's playing against. Um, he could be playing against you know teams with six seven eight fringe NBA caliber players, or he could be playing a bunch of guys who would get worked at Sporting Chance by your team on the weekends. I don't know. And that's the problem. It's not, it's not like I can look at his video and say, oh, you know, okay, that's Carter Bryant. Oh, that's Jamar. No, it's that's uh, some white guy from Europe. We're gonna get to Aaron. We're gonna get to Aaron Gordon here in a second, Chad McDonald's. Um, but uh, uh, with Morauskas, though, the other thing that uh, impresses me the more that I look into it, though, is that he does play at the highest level. This isn't a situation, and this is no offense to our guy Philly B. We love Philly B around here, but Philly B was not playing at a high level of competition in Europe. Uh, Morauskas is playing at the highest level that he can in his country as an 18 year old. That's something that does catch my eye as well. I will say this as well. If you compare those, the, I'll tell you three guys he's film. I'm just going to throw some names out there. Go ahead. Um, Philly B. When I looked at his film, you're like, yeah, you could do some things, but I can't tell. Right. I couldn't tell. I mean, most of his best film was him alone in the gym. Correct. Um, if you're going That's back. That's my best film as well, Brad. If, if, you're list, if you're a Bill Simmons fan, you know you know he talks about that, the Zap Ruder film of a guy playing against a chair. Um, remember uh, Omar Telemans, the, the guy who was there for like a week and a half? On his film, you said, oh, he's athletic, but he didn't do much else. Right. Um, compared to this, yes, I can see some noticeable skills. Again, my concerns are not with size. They're not with shooting ability. It's more raw athleticism. Is he strong enough for the four? Is he quick enough for the uh, – Three, can he get his shot off against comparable-sized players? Um, 
but his film's good. So I'm not talking whether the guy can play at this level, which I still don't know Philly B can do. You know, I looked at, you know, Telemans, and I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing that right, but it was like, is this guy Telemans? Um, this guy's Arizona good. Now, whether he is eighth, ninth man good for the rest of his career, or he's, you know, whether he's Adama Ball or he's Azulis Tubelis, that I don't know. And I guess that's the question. Hmm. Yeah, that didn't work. All right. Um, let's see. Sorry about that. Now, um, th- yes, to answer your question, TLM, this will be the last addition to the roster. There is no other. Uh, there's nobody else out there. So this is going to be your t- uh, your team. Now, t- uh, speaking of which, though, so you look at it. And we've talked about this before. And uh, Jacob, if you could bring up that sixth, uh, if you could bring up the roster graphic again, that would be fantastic. Um, so let's look at this again right here. So, again, you've got these that top six right there is set in stone. Those guys are all like we talked about. Those guys are all playing 30 minutes per. I think it, to me, and this is just my opinion, I think it's going to be between Vasar and I think it's going to be between uh, 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 Polly M, as we're going to call him right here, to be able to get that those 15 minutes or, you know, kind of that 15 to 20 minutes. I do believe Vasar is going to play, but I am curious to see what how exactly this does break down because – uh, again, there's only going to be so many minutes to go around. And while every coach says that they're going to play 40 guys or they're 40 guys, they're going to play 10 guys. That never really happens. And Lute would always say that, you know, we're deep enough. And even when they are, they don't do it. So there's going to be probably seven, eight men max. Who are you looking for for those other two right there, William? You know, I'm, I'm going to go to this. I could, I can still envision a scenario where they play the, what I call the eight and a half man rotation. And if you want examples of that, I think the best one is the uh, 2011 Miller team. Right. Uh, where, um, you know, that the, the the point guard from L.A. whose name always escapes me and I have no idea why it's like a mental block whose dad played at UNLV um, was the and a half guy um, who, who for Sean Miller. Yeah. Uh, 2011. He had the really big game in the state. I can't think of his name. He's from L.A. His, his dad played for UNLV. Oh, Jordan Mays. He's Jordan Mays. That's it. I have right. a mental block on Jordan names. Mays's name. Right. Uh, but he was the half guy in the eight and a half man rotation. Some games he'd play 10 minutes, some games he wouldn't play. So my guess is, yeah, the top six is good. Um, my guess is Vasar plays. He's probably Ballo's primary backup. Uh, my guess is if he's as good as advertised, um, Polly M plays because he can play two spots on, right. on the court. He can play the three and the four. And then I'm guessing you're going to see a guard uh, squeak in there for some some rotational minutes as the half, as I call it. Um, my guess is it, it, it's probably Lewis um, over uh, over Conrad, but we're talking four or five minutes a game. Um, then occasionally, when you need more guards on the floor, he might get that eight or nine minutes. But again, way, to, me, to me, the big mystery is Crevas. Uh, because um, he, right. he looks good to me. He looks more ready to play maybe than some of these other guys have the only thing that worries me about crevice though is i don't know how i because he he's going to be i think pretty much a straight five right there along with ballo so you don't have necessarily you probably can't go with a lot of those different lineups but like you and i've talked about before you can easily make the case that ballo's best for 25 27 minutes per game right there but then can crevice jump uh vasar because i think vasar is going to get the bulk of his minutes um at the five as well um right. i think he will slide over i think you can play those guys at the same time 
But I think if, if Johnson's getting his 25 minutes and most of those are coming at the four and you got to get poly M on the, on the, on the, on the court, then you're running out of minutes. So um, you have a glut of bigs right now. It's a, it's a unique situation. Arizona hasn't always had, but um, you know, you could see guy like, you know, Dylan Anderson have to redshirt. Uh, you could see a guy like Krivas be physically ready to play and just not have minutes. Um, okay, now let's. Sorry, I was looking for my pen and I believe I've lost it. I blame Jacob Franklin. Actually, I, I should blame Jacob Franklin because he asked me to get the headphones and it's buried under the headphones. That's on you, Jacob Franklin. By the way, uh, Brad Rich, very funny. Put the wide vertical lens so we can see Jacob Franklin in the shot. Even then, I'm not sure that Jacob Franklin would be able to fit in there. The great Jacob Franklin. Now, a couple things. Um, first, Tap and bottle, as you know, the uh, watch parties, William Brad Alice has been there. We got that coming back up for football, and we got that coming back up for basketball as well. You can see Brad Alice. You can see a future U of A nose guard or right-handed pitcher for Chip Hale, uh, Tyler Alice there sometimes as well. Check it out. Tap and bottle and and the four peaks. We are going to talk a lot about the four peaks right here. Brad, come on. Four fingers. Come on. All right, now, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Check it out. Right now, you can go down there. You can check out Four Peaks Brew or Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest on Arizona's hometown brewery. Must be 21 years or up to enjoy uh, Four Peaks. Please drink responsibly. Okay, now, um, realistic expectations for this squad. I believe before the season or before this happened, I thought this was a transition year. I do believe that this um, – I be, my expectations are higher now. Um, I do believe that this should be a Sweet 16 team, but I'm like you, though. After the Sweet 16, when you start getting into the Sweet 16 Elite Eight games, then it's basically every man for themselves. But I do believe this is a team that should get to the second weekend, William. I mean, they certainly have a lot of talent. They have a lot of mismatches they can create. Uh, again, I, I think we've said this a few times on the show. They have everything you need except for that pure – athletic wing they don't have a richard jefferson type but they have everything else they now have shooting they have guards they have toughness they have size um they can go at you with a variety of, of looks and um so my yeah so i think the question is you know how quickly does this team gel together can a few guys adjust to possibly different roles than they're used to that includes caleb love that includes pella larson right. who i think we'll see less overall minutes than he did a year ago um, but maybe more quality looks. Um, so, yeah, so I think this team has all the potential to compete for a Pac-12 title, to be a top four or five type seed, which means you're a second weekend team. Um, anything more than that is going to take either uh, a spectacular job gelling this team together or a couple players making a leap. And whether that's Boswell becoming an All-American whether that's one of the Euros being uh, a step on campus star type situation. Um, but as it is built right now, Arizona is a very intriguing team who, if they can get hot at the right time, can certainly make a deep run. They've got talent. How much does that talent gel is, is the question. All right. We are getting Dylan Anderson slander on this show, on these comments. And while you guys are all smarter than me, you we will not sit here and allow Dylan Anderson to be slandered. Baby Keith Van Horn, as we call him around here. Um, actually, I just made that up off the top of my head. We got Crevis, Dylan Anderson. If you do you think the Crevis jumps Dylan Anderson, Brad? Be be careful here. I think there's a chance because I think he's 
again, I, I need to see what Anderson looks like. Those I've seen the shots of him in the gym, but Crevis looks like he's more physically mature. He's got that shot blocking ability. Um, he actually moves better than I expected. Again, I'm, I'm watching YouTube clips, so who knows? Right. Um, I like Anderson. I like Anderson's video. I like Anderson's potential. But right now, both of those guys may be just the odd men out. Um, as I really have trouble envisioning Arizona going deeper than four bigs. And assuming Polly M is ready to play, those two guys are probably both on the outside looking in for minutes. Polly M is a keeper, by the way. We got Philly B. We got Polly M. Right now, we have turned this into Jersey Shore, Arizona. Okay, I'm so I'm calling Crevas. Uh, okay. Yeah. How about uh, with Dylan Anderson? How about Dillier? Is that a stretch? This might be a stretch. I would say <laughs> DA, but we already got a DA in Phoenix who is still trying to find his playing time. Um. All right. Speaking of which, uh, before we get back to Arizona basketball, this is Arizona basketball. Aaron Gordon. Um, I believe I get I get at, I get asked this from time to time. Um, if, who's the best defensive player that you've ever seen at the U of A? And Reggie, to me, will always be the answer because Reggie did it for so long. I've seen Reggie go against Jalen Rose. I've seen Reggie go against um, uh, uh, Allen Iverson. I've seen Reggie Geary go against Jacques Vaughn, whoever you name. But I do believe, even though he's only for a year, I do think that Aaron Gordon was probably the second best defender I've seen here. Aaron Gordon, in my opinion, was the only player I've seen here at the U of A that you could legitimately switch one through five and you would feel okay, you would feel okay with it. And it's cool seeing the it's cool seeing where he's been able to really maximize his career right now. Yeah, you know, he, that that trade to Denver was like the best thing that ever happened to him. And, you know, credit Denver. They have made a bunch of shrewd uh, moves over the years, whether it's, uh, you know, that trade, whether it was uh, you know, obviously drafting Jokic in the second round. That was a good pick. Um, taking the flyer on Porter with the injury issues. Right. Um, you know, so, yeah, they've made some they've made some very good moves. And again, sometimes you'd love to say, yeah, we knew Jokic was they didn't know Jokic was this good, but they took a flyer on a guy in the second round. It works out. Um, but yeah, Gordon, I think, yeah, if you're making an all defensive team at Arizona, he's on there. I think there are two guys that you cannot argue their spot on the team, which I guess means they're the first and second guy. And that's, uh, Gordon and, um, uh, obviously Reggie gear, you know, I think Salim's probably on that team. I think Rondé might be on that team. Lauren Woods, uh, Lauren Woods. If you want the pure shot blocker, Jefferson was a heck of a defender as well. Um, so there's plenty of guys who played some really good defense, but those guys, yeah, were an elite level. And that's surprising for a guy like uh, Gordon, who came in as a fully formed defender. Uh, usually when you are that highly ranked of a kid, um, you know, you concentrate on your offense. And while he was a decent offensive player, um, he obviously, I think, learned from some of his brother's mistakes uh, at UCLA and, and, and came in as a, you know, as a player who took pride in his defense, um, did not sit, think having to play defense was an insult as some guys do. And that helped him carve out a spot in the NBA when his offense wasn't fully formed. Right. The thing about Gordon at the U of A as well is that he was uh... – he was always clunky offensively. He wasn't bad, but he was clunky. And uh, Arizona's, uh, and they tried to push him to be this small forward here, which essentially meant you get the rebound and then you run the ball to half court and then you wait for TJ McConnell to come to come get the ball. But oh, Daniel Dillon, we know. Um, but uh, 
yeah, like I said, you, though you got to tip your cap to him because he's going to be a good player for a long time. And I think you can make the case easily that he has eclipsed DeAndre Ayton, and he's now the second best uh, pro in uh, U of A pro in the NBA right now, William. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, a fair assessment. Again, all it takes is DeAndre uh, rounding back into form, and if uh, if Brad Vogel can uh, can Frank Vogel can have his way uh, and, and and says what he's going to do with them, but yeah. I mean, obviously, when you were the a starter on a uh, and a key cog, if not a star on uh, a world championship team, you you get elevated. It's just like Andre. Andre is thought of as a much better pro than he really is because he was on championship teams. He was a good pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was actually a brief moment in time when he was a star, but um, you know, Andre Iguodala is far closer to Robert Ori than he is, you know, some of these other guys who go down. But four rings is four rings. Do you think um, now moving back, moving back to the U of A then right here, um, I heard an interesting comparison for uh, uh, Caleb Love and what you want to look for here. And again, it's not perfect because this guy is, if he turns out to be the best pro at the U of A, it wouldn't surprise me at all. A little, little, little Ben Matherin. And that you're going to get the two to three dribbles. You're not, again, he's not as big, not as physical. I get all that, but you get your two to three dribbles. You get to where you need. You're uh, you're a, a capable shooter. Um, what do you think about that, Brad? Or am I just being stupid? I mean, I think there's some similarities in the offensive game, but I think the overall game. Um, you're not buying it, Brad. Will Brad will he's Brad not he's Williams. not a he's not a big explosive wing. He's right. uh, you know he's a, he's a shooting guard. Um, again, I think, okay, I'll give you a good comparison. It would be like comparing pitchers and you've got a six, seven fastball pitcher and you've got a, a six, one finesse pitcher, but, but they both have wicked sliders, right? Um, they have the same slider. Yeah. He has a very similar spot up game to Ben Matherin. Um, but I think that's where the comparison ends, at least for now, because again, he's a smaller player. Uh, frankly, he's a slightly more selfish player, and he might be a little less versatile than Matherin was. But yeah, I think what again, what I've seen, I've seen Caleb Love play four or five games. Um, I think three of them. Right, are that never two. stops us from giving expert opinions. Come no, on. but yeah, I can see that. Yes, there are some similarities about how they attack, how they like to get open for shots. Um, so I think there are some comparisons there. But again, Matherin is a pure wing and, and Caleb Love really is a, a, a traditional two guard. All right. Now let's talk about, I want to get into a little bit of the uh, upcoming players. we got some highlights that we're going to be playing here next. By the way, we have Carter Bryant's father coming on tomorrow, but first illegal Pete's Brad, I went to illegal Pete's this past weekend. It was very good. And on top of that, uh, kick off your weekend with Margarita Monday Illegal Pete's, exclusive to Arizona locations, $3 margs all day, every day Monday. Nothing brightens up that Monday mood uh, more than soaking up the sun with a few margaritas. And don't forget about Taco Tuesdays, $2 tacos all day, every Tuesday. Tuesday is today, William Brad Alice. Um, enjoy your favorite chicken, pork, and veggie tacos for just 2 bucks. So swing by and start your week off right with Illegal Pete's. And one other thing, Brad, how's your sleeping going? No, not too bad. All right. Now, getting better. You might, now, you might say maybe Brad Alice is consuming uh, OGs. Maybe he isn't. Who knows? But 
Check out OGs online at ogsbrands.com and on Instagram at ogsbrands. You can also find their products at your local dispensary. Must be 21 years or up. And again, you can get, uh, let's see here, the creams, the fruits, the creams, uh, uh, blackberries, creams, pink lemonade dropping on June 21st. You name it, they got it. Get some illegal peats and... Maybe some OGs afterwards. Uh, Chad McDonald's, the great Chad McDonald says, I need to take the wife on a date to Illegal Pete's. You should right there. Is that right. the Sophie's choice of, of, of Mexican yumminess that you have to decide whether you're going to do Margarita Monday or Taco Tuesday? Well, I think you just basically go there and then you just live there. You go, all right, we're going there Monday and we'll see you back in the afternoon Tuesday and we're going to be there the whole time. As if someone who spent his first two years at the U of A at Cochise Dorm, Right down the street. It's a shame it was blue. Uh, it was not an, even a restaurant back then. It was a clothing store. So it was a clo- oh, it was a clothing store. I, I forgot all about that. Yeah. It was a clothing store. Yeah, um, I used to I used to live at the Two Pesos, which is now the U of A Visitor Center, where you could get you know, a lot of yummy food for very very cheap back in the basically day. Basically, they could they could find you at the Two Pesos or getting into fights at the Green Dolphin. Never never went to the Green Dolphin. Never went to the Green Dolphin. A lot of people did go to the Green Dolphin, though. Yeah, yeah. It was already closed by the time I could get in there legally. Let's just put that. Hey, this is a great question by Jesse Johnson right here. He says, is the program better off or worse if Krivos jumps Vasar? I'm going to say that's not a good thing, only because I do believe that Henry has a – I believe that Henry – I have not given up on Henry. I believe Henry still has a lot of potential. Um but if he jumps him in year two, you start wondering just how good Henry really is. Um, I think it depends. Does he legitimately jump him because he's just good? Or does he win it by default because he's less bad? Um, I mean, if Krivas is really, really good and he jumps Vesar, then I think that's one thing. It's another if Vesar is just not good. And it's like, okay, Krivas, you kind of get the job by default because you're a better shot blocker. So I'm going to hedge my answer there. All right, TLN says, what do you think about this comparison right here? He says, I predict Love will average 16 points per game, three rebounds, two assists on 43% from the field and 40 from three. I like that. TLN, I think, hits the ball out of the park right there. Yeah, I think I had him slightly less, but if he has that kind of season, Arizona's in really good shape. Arizona's in really good shape. And on top of that, you know what's weird about looking at this conference now? UCLA, on paper, not very good, Brad. Um, You got a lot of question marks there. Um Everybody likes Colorado a ton. I still kind of got to see it. The, this is wide open again for the U of A to win this conference, William. Oh, I think absolutely. I think my gut feeling is USC implodes. I think there's just going to be too much attention. Are you an Andy Enfield denier? No, I think Enfield's fine. I think okay. he has done a remarkably good job at that school, and he right. is about as good as you can get at that school. But here's my problem. You've got a guy in Bronny James who's a good player. He's should be their fourth or fifth best player. And there's going to be a lot of attention on him. And how do, how does Boogie handle that? How does, uh, who's the kid? Who's Isaiah the Collier. One? How does Collier deal with that? Collier should be the, the story. Right. Uh, and maybe it's a good thing because maybe it takes some pressure off these guys. But I think, again, I think it's going to be obnoxious coverage by, by ESPN. Um, and I think that could, that could hurt the team. Um, you know, I think UCLA has some serious holes. They got some serious talent. Uh, they're, they're, they're a lot like Arizona. How quick do, do some of their foreign players? Um, you know, what does Oregon's final roster look like? 
Right. Because uh, I'm assuming they're not done. They might be done, but I don't know. I can't keep track of the guys going in and out of that program. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay. Colorado has, is that, is he good enough to carry that program? See, I know. Let's get to that. Let's get to that point. I think that's a great, uh, great point there. And Doug Gottlieb made this point. I like Cody Williams a lot. Um, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, that was one of the few missteps by, uh, by Lloyd was the recruitment of Cody Williams. But in this day and age, unless you are a Kevin Durant or an Anthony Davis or a John Wall, somebody that is just physically kind of overpowering or skill wise, a lot of times these dudes kind of put up numbers like 11 points, four rebounds, three assists, something like that. And I could see Cody Williams doing that. And I like Cody Williams. Here and again, I don't. I've never interviewed Cody Williams. I've never talked to him. I've never seen him play. Brad, that will not hold you back from what the point you're going to make, though. Cody, I think there are two kind of guys who choose a school like Colorado. There are the guys who really want that challenge, have a connection to the program, uh, whether he's from Denver or his dad's on staff, or you know, we see these guys go to UNLV sometimes who really think I'm good enough. I'm going to carry this program. Right. I always kind of figured uh, McCoy, who went to UNLV. Brandon McCoy, yep. I really think they really thought they were good enough to carry that program back to old to, to new to old heights. Hmm? Um, and they were really good players. They just weren't that good. Um, he wasn't think, Larry Johnson. Cody Williams, to me, feels like the guy who's fu- who saw his brother succeed as a big fish in a small pond. With but he doesn't seem like a guy who says. I want to take Colorado to new heights. I want to right. be, you know, I want to be the guy to take them. I can single-handedly carry them to the promise. He doesn't seem like that guy. He seems like that guy who's going to be, I'm going to be really happy averaging 15 uh, as we go 20 and 10 and get a nine seed. Right. That's oh, by it, the way, Chad McDonald. That's ahead, what it Chad. seems like to me. Um, I don't know if we could put that up or not, but Jacob, if you want to put it up, if not, it's fine. But Chad McDonald's with a very, very funny remark, remark right there. I still can't get over that, but it's true though. Uh, it, Tad Boyle feels like Tad you Boyle. Know, <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not sure he's that fun. Uh, yes, <laughs> even I, that, I, even that's still fun. Uh, but uh, yes. Um, it's like the white bread with a dash of vinegar <laughs> of of coaches. Chad McDonald's, you do win the you do win the internet today. I will uh I will uh yes, I like I said, that's uh I will I will keep that for another time right there. Um now uh back to the we talk I talked with Reggie yesterday about this, and um he did say that um he like he was far more enamored with this team's defensive potential than last year's. Um and basically he just went with it. He said, you know, you got two physical guards, which means a lot. You've got Pella, who's a physical player. Uh Azulis Tabellis, while he can do a lot of things, Kashad Johnson is going to be a better defender from day one. Arizona does feel like he could have a much better defensive prognosis than it had at this time last year. Yeah, and I, 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 you know, I think what you do is you've just got more physicality. You've got more mental and physical toughness. Uh, you've got a little bit more athleticism out on the wing. I mean, right. they're going to give up some size because I really think, regardless, they're going to start uh, Caleb Love and or you know Pella Larson at the three. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys, so they're going to go with the three guard lineup. But you know, Love, while maybe not an elite defender, is a willing defender. He's athletic. Um, 
you know, I think obviously you don't play at Alabama to the level he did without being a comparable defender. I think Boswell likes it. Uh, obviously, Kashad Johnson's a guy who likes playing some defense. Um, so yeah, you know, Balo has always been a willing leader of men. Um, you, you know, you throw in, uh, you know, maybe the bench is where you start questioning it a little bit, but you know, Pella's a willing defender, not always an effective defender. Uh, that seems to be a strength of Krivas. If he happens to, to crack that rotation, he's a shot blocker. Um, so yeah, I think you have the potential is there. And again, that, that mismatch potential, if you're going against a, a smaller team, you throw out size at him. Um, if you go against an athletic team, you know, m- maybe a slide Kashad to the three and, uh, you know, you go with uh, uh, Polly M out there on the wing because he's a pretty long guy. Again, not an explosive athlete, but he's a long, rangy athlete. So, um, yeah, I think Arizona has the potential to be pretty good on the defensive end. Not like they were bad last year, but there were a few times when they needed stops. They had trouble getting stops. All right, Derek, Derek Pivko, this is an interesting point here that I was thinking about talking with about tomorrow. But you know what, Derek Pivko, you're very smart, so we will uh, go with it right now. What Pac-12 coaches are on the hot seat entering next season? If USC has, has a meltdown, would uh, that put Andy on it? I don't believe it would put Andy on it because Andy's got a lot of built up. I mean, at this stage, you know, with Andy Enfield, you're going to win 25 games and finish in the top three or four in the conference. I think he's good. But there are some interesting situations here. Has Stanford essentially thrown in the towel on ever trying to be good at sports again, William? I don't know. They just got four, three, four stars in football. So who knows? All right. But Jared Haas, for example, though, I would at this point, I think we know that Jared Haas isn't a very good coach. No, no, I, I was surprised they brought him back. Okay, and then I do like Mark hiring Mark Madsen at Cal. I think that's an interesting hire. But Washington, Mike Hopkins. What are we doing here? I mean, we kind of know what Mike Hopkins is. Why you can't find a young African-American coach to run that. Okay. Why is Brandon Roy not the head coach there? I agree. If he wants it. Why? And I have a hard time believing he does it. He would build a wall around Seattle. Right. Boom. Done. You can, you can compete again. If you're anywhere in, but Lorenzo Romar and you build a wall around Seattle, you should be able to compete year in and year out for the sweet 16. I was okay with getting. I was okay getting rid of Lorenzo Romar mainly because you, you know, that ship had kind of sailed. You know, but, man, of course, you can't have that many first round draft picks and not go to a tournament. But I'm uh, not getting rid of him for uh, for old white guy from uh, the Northeast. No, who had one really good year and yeah. has done nothing. How long has he been there? Uh, Mike Hopkins. I think he's been there like six years now. Jacob yeah. Franklin, look this up right now. It's been a while. Uh, it's not like, oh, any time now. No, he can't do it. He can't get it done there. I'm No, I'm going to disagree with TLN right here. Wayne Tinkle. Wayne Tinkle will get Oregon State into the tournament, what, once every three or four years and have a decent team? Is that good enough? No, I don't think he's a good coach. I, I, don't think, I think his ahead. talent is not as good as – I mean, yeah, they had the one run. And I said – and I would go back to uh, the brother-in-law too. Those teams had talent. Ob- Obama, no right? What? Obama, right? Obama's uh, brother-in-law, yeah. Or not Obama. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's his the name? Gonna... But he had talent. How many, how many six, eight long, lanky kids has Oregon State trotted out with a couple competent Euros, and they win 12 games? Yeah, that's no. true. Tinkle's so you're getting not... rid of Wayne Tinkle. Yes. I don't so, – great. You went to an Elite Eight. Great. Brad, yeah, I, was... I don't know who I'm hiring in that job. It's an awful job. It's like Washington State. It's an awful job. Um, in fact, 
the best thing for those two basketball programs is for them to go to the Mountain West because they're just not good jobs. Well, see, I, and that's what I tell the Oregon State fans on here that have not been here the last few days. You guys are welcome back, by the way. I tell this to Oregon State fan, Washington State fan all the time. Thank you, Craig Robinson. What did I say, Obama? Yeah, it's um, Obama's his brother-in-law. Yeah, right, Craig Robinson. Yes, it's good Michelle call. Obama's brother again. Brought in some interesting kids, and they just never won basketball games. And the same but thing I, for Tinkle. But I say that all the time, though, with Washington State, with Oregon State fans. I always say, listen, this is no offense to you guys. It's just a hard place to win in basketball. Now, let me ask you this. Why is it harder to win in basketball than it is in football? Because generally, Washington State, Oregon State, if you want to look at it over the years, this is a tip of the cap to them. They've been better in football than Arizona has. Yeah, yeah. Now, Washington State's also suffered of late because of the rise of Boise State. That True. took a lot. That's why when Mike Price was there and Erickson were there, they were even better. But, uh, yeah, there's I, I guess there's enough West Coast talent to go around, and they've had some good coaching hires. But um, it's really hard to, to win. Uh, it's really hard to win with anything at Washington State. Oregon State has had some success with – um, some of their Olympic programs, whether it's been golf has been very good off and on. Uh, baseball has been very good off and on. Um, but, yeah, they're just really tough jobs. Um, location, big brother in the state. If you're Washington State basketball, you've got two big brothers in the state. Um, so, you know yeah. who Washington should have hired? I just figured this one out, and granted he's not from the state but he's from the neighboring state, and I'm not going to give TLN any credit, even though he's right about this one. They should have hired Damon Stoudemire. If Washington hired Damon Stoudemire, that becomes interesting, William. Yeah, I, I, I like still it. think Damon needs to prove himself. I think the better job for Damon would have been Oregon State. Take the right, flyer well, on enough. him. Keep him in state. Again, I don't know if Portland's producing quite enough kids, but um, yeah, those are good. That, no, that's again – You've got to go outside the box at those schools. You know, Tony Bennett and was, was an outside-the-box hire when you first brought his dad in. Um, you know, Oregon State has, has done that from time to time. But they're just – they're tough jobs. So when oh. they do have success, and I get keeping Wayne Tinkle because he made that deep run, but – Wayne Tinkle made that deep run. I like it. Um, by the way, Oregon State will go through a tinkleectomy. Bcat, you're not going to be able to get the best one because uh, uh, Chad McDonald's already got it, but that's very good. By the way, you know what else is very good? Octane Raceway and Mavericks. All right, I'm going to be up in Phoenix the next couple weekends. Um, I might make it to Octane Raceway and Mavericks here. And here's what you do. Here's how you go about doing it. Book some fun this spring at Octane Raceway and Mavericks. Kart racing, virtual reality, laser tag, axe throwing, bowling, arcade, great food and drinks, tons of different events throughout the summer. Check out Octane Raceway and Mavericks.com right there. You will be happy that you did. And Mount Mike's Pizza. Brad, when was the last time you went to Mount Mike's Pizza? Be honest. Been a couple weeks. All right. But that just goes to show you, Brad is a man of the people. Brad also likes pizza. Is this correct to both? That is true. Yes. All right. And you can see William Brad Ellis up there signing autographs or Jacob Franklin. I can tell you that Jacob Franklin. Now, granted, you have to go to Phoenix to see Jacob Franklin, but it doesn't matter. Head over to mountainmikespizza.com, order their Mesa Chandler or Tucson locations to place your next order. Reminder, new diehards get $50 voucher upon signing up. Now, will you see Kenny up in uh, Phoenix? Uh, I would imagine I'll see Kenny up there. We'll, uh, um, I would imagine we'll touch base. All right. Now, 
I got to give Jed Fish some more kudos right here, uh, William. Um, what I am a big fan of, and I've said this from day one, is if you offer kids early, especially in-state kids, and if they're not good or in-city kids, and if they're not good, then you know what? You just don't uh, You just don't pursue it. It's very, very simple. Uh, Arizona just offered a 2026 defensive lineman from South Point, Noah Bonney. Um, massive individual, another one of these 6'4", 300-pound kids. I like doing this. Get it on him early because if he blows up, you can always say we were the first one there. Similar with Will Hike, um, rushing is obviously a different animal when it comes to recruiting. I like that they do this, and it show, it's a total departure from the previous coaching stats, Brad. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it goes back to what Stoops used to do, and Stoops was very successful in town. Um, you know, they kept really all but two or three of the guys they really wanted uh, in town. Um, and one of the guys they didn't get because they didn't offer him early enough. It was a lineman from Siena. I think he ended up going to Utah, never did anything. But uh, they were on the verge of offering when he committed to Utah um, because they waited. So, yeah, again, the kid ends up not being good. And he, he first you have to assume he's committing. Uh, right. Secondly, okay, if he ends up being the 25th kid, now it doesn't even matter because you have unlimited – as long as there's a scholarship available, right? you bring the kid in, and if you missed, okay, you missed. Now, does that mean you offer the third string left tackle? No, at, that's not what at, we're saying. At Amphi? No, no. But you want to offer legit-looking kids at, at South Point and at Cienega and, and a few other schools, then, then yeah, go ahead. You know, if you're offering a few kids from Hamilton and Scottsdale, Saguaro and Chandler who don't, okay. Again, the modern rules now kind of allows you to make those mistakes that, that you couldn't do previously when you could only bring in and, 25 at a time and then had some other limitations. And what I like too is when you see a kid that's probably easy to project as being U of A good, U of A good, just do it. Um, I'll give you an example. Kid from your neck of the woods that we talked about last week, Desmond Roebuck. Um, I've been aware. I mean, I've known, known of the Roebuck family. I know uh, Sean a little bit, um, you know, for 15 years. Desmond Roebuck is he's had a lot of hype. And as a freshman, he certainly looked like he was the part he U of A offered him. He's blown up at these different camps and whatnot. He's probably going to be able to go wherever he wants on the West Coast. That is a good thing that Arizona was in on him first, because if you're a guy like Sean Roebuck and you've got, uh, you know, you've your kid's going to have options. You're going to remember that the home state or the home city school was the first one to offer. Well, cause yeah. Cause if you do wait and at least, you know, and again, we don't know what communicates because sometimes staff will say, Hey, look, here's what we want to see from him to offer. And okay. You know, we need to see him grow two inches or we, but right. for the most part, if let's say he's the kid and he's a fully formed athlete and he blows up, then you're like, well, why didn't the staff recognize that? Right. They, they saw him play more than anybody. Um, you know, he was right up the street. He went to their camps. Uh, so that's one of the things, yeah, you have to look at. Now, again, it's, you know, I have seen cases where you say, yeah, we just need to see him. You know, we need to see if he can drop some baby fat, if he's a lineman. Or we need to see oh. him, you know, he's 5'8". If he can get to, to 5'11", there's the offer. Right. And at least you know there's a reason behind not offering. But, yeah, for the most part, offer the kids because you can always – pull the offer. I mean, it sucks, but yeah, just say, Hey, look, we, we don't see it being a match anymore. I, I think this, I think ASU U of a if football for the next couple of years, assuming both coaches stay there. I think we're going to be entering something where it's a little bit. And again, this is totally different. This is probably a bad comparison, but it's kind of the, uh, the Bruce Snyder, Dick Tomey thing. And that I think both you have, 
two coaches here, I think at the same time, which has been a while that I think both know what they're doing and both want to be, both want to be in those spots. You look at what Dillingham's doing. A lot of it is just kind of a knockoff of what Jed Fish is doing, but it's worked for Jed Fish, so I can't really get on Kenny Dillingham for not going with much of the same uh, uh, strategy that Jed Fish has gone with there. It's going to be fascinating to follow both these. Well, again, I think the, the thing that fascinates me most about it is Dillingham wanted the Arizona job. Mm-hmm. He actively – he actually got some boosters behind him. I don't think he ever got the interview, um, or if he did, it was not – it didn't get in those. Did he reach out to you about the job, Brad? Be honest he with you. He did not reach out to me. Brad, no. be honest. Um, but I know he wanted it. So if he outshines Jed Fish head to head for a few years, it, it, it could be one of those. Because eh. again, I, I always kind of go back to Cutter and Makovic. Uh, mm-hmm. Dirk Cutter was near the top of my list in, in Arizona. You don't State. hire Boise State head coaches, they never work. Back then, we didn't know that, though. It's true. Um, Houston so fact, Nut says hello. So the fact that uh, – and the dog's letting the light in. Um, the fact that, you know, he outperformed John Makovic, and then again, most of us did, uh, <laughs> hurt a little bit more considering he was a guy, I think, Arizona fans. A lot what of it's something time. crazy? John Makovic on his, in his first year at the U of A had eight future NFL players on that roster. Arizona has not had eight NFL players, it feels like, in the last 20 years, Brad. And I'm guessing a couple Stoops teams were close, but he's also a bad call away from going against USC from going 500. Bobby Wade ran that back for a touchdown and they missed the call. And there was no and missed the replay back then. For sure. He All right, Brad. Six and five the next year. You, know, eh, you, might, you might have had John McAvick for two or three more years. Did Nate Rady ever find where he, uh, uh, um, where John Makovic is coaching? Was he coaching in like Japan recently or something? Not recently. He coached in Japan right after leaving Arizona, actually. Yeah. All right. He won some kind of internet, but in, I think he was coaching American players in Japan. Last okay. I heard, and, and again, this was years ago, he was living in one of the desert communities in California. I got you. I got you. Maybe the Inland Empire. I don't know. Um, All right, Brad, before we sign off, also, we got uh, Deshaun Bryant coming on tomorrow. Carter Bryant's old man right there. Looking forward to talking with him about the youngster. Brad, before we sign off, back the A, but where can they find – where can they back the Brad Alice A? Easiest way is just on Twitter, WSR Brad. Uh, hope to get some stuff recorded again. It's just been nuts. We've got all-star practice five nights a week. We got volleyball practice. We got hockey games. We've got a real job. But yeah, trying to get some stuff recorded, doing some research on uh, Euros in their first and second year at Arizona. Actually, was doing that today. So I hope to get that recorded. Maybe don't forget uh, Ivan Rodenovich, my friend. I already looked that one up. Nine points, four rebounds for his career. What did he average his freshman year? Not he had much. A, he Not had a much. good for, he had a good first game though. Didn't he have like like sixteen and nine in his yeah, first game? And then dropped off. And same thing. Remember, Dusan had that huge game against UCLA and then barely played for a month. Uh, their numbers were quite comparable. Not not particularly great. Right. Um, or you could be Kirill and your your numbers were never great. Mm-hmm. But Kirill had fun. And now Our- he looks like he ate Kirill. Correct. He, he does. looks like yeah. someone wearing a Corel suit. He's defending his country, isn't he? I think so. That's a big man coming at you right there. 
twenty. He's got to be three twenty <laughs> for sure. All right, he's Brad Alice. I'm Mike Luke. We'll be back with you tomorrow. As always, Brad, really appreciate you. Jacob Franklin behind the scenes. Jacob Franklin will be on tomorrow after Deshaun Bryant uh, signs off. So get your questions ready for Jacob right there. He will be ready. I'll be ready for Brad Alice. I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.